Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello and welcome to the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff. I'm a single father of five kids within six years of age and two with special needs. And I know how valuable your time is. And I plan on making this time that you spend with us as valuable as possible. I know it takes a lot of courage for you, for some people to just get on a show or just try and take a step to make some changes in their life, to make some improvements in their life. And for those of you who are living a life beyond your wildest dreams, welcome. We appreciate your support as well. So today we have an opportunity to meet Roxana Perez, who's born and raised in Torrance, California. She's lived in San Bernardino for the last nine years. Her trade is as a massage therapist, and she's worked as a caregiver, but has taken time away to do what she loves the best, which is to be a stay-at-home mom for her four boys. Since 2020, Roxanne and her family have been on a journey of discovering they are neurodivergent family. Not only are they neurodivergent family, but a blended family as she was a single mom when she met her husband, Armando. Roxana volunteers at her church, loves being near the ocean, watches forensic documentaries, when she has the chance. And Roxana, we're so grateful that you're on the show today. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. You have four boys. What are the ages of your boys? 17, 15, 11, and five. Okay, and um, which ones are on the spectrum or neurodivergent? Mm -hmm. So um, right now we're still working on all of those things. Um, So far of my four kids, um, two we know for sure, one is still being um, assessed, and my suspicion is that one of my kids is neurotypical out of the four. Okay. What age is the one that you think is typical? He's the oldest, 17. The oldest. Like, when did you start seeing things that you thought were different from what you were expecting? So with my son, Daniel, he's he's 15. Maybe when he was about two years old, I started to kind of see that he could be in like a like a little old man, you know. Um, I always thought that he acted like he was older in a sense than he really was. And I always thought that just life kind of just goes. He just goes with the flow. And so I thought that was kind of odd. Um, and once he was in school, about second, third, and fourth grade, he was struggling. And I asked the teachers at parent conference after parent conference, do you think he has ADHD or something? And all three of them said no. And so being, you know, at the time that I didn't know what my rights were as a parent, I just, I thought, well, they're, they're the teachers. They know better than I do. And I let it go. And so with Daniel in a 2020, after some insistence, we found out that he has ADHD or we're also finding out currently that he might have some processing issues. So we're still working on that. 
we're we lean more towards the processing issues more than the ADHD, but we're still in the process of getting an official diagnosis. My son Landon, he's 11. We're just starting the the process, so we really don't know. He just expressed that he felt very similar to his brother Daniel, and so that's why we're starting the process with him. And then with Josue, which is my youngest, he's five. He is autistic. He is on the spectrum. Can you tell us a little bit more about what processing means? The processing. So when when you talk to my son, Daniel, he'll kind of look at you for a second and then go on with the conversation or answer your question or go on to do what you've asked him to do. And from what he tells me, he has to kind of tell himself, what did this person just tell me? What do they want? What do they need? Oh, okay, I got it. And then go on. And so the school um, has named a lot of, and they got these big words, you know, but they've named a lot of things that they've picked up on. So it looks like it's more of a, um, with processing, I just cannot recall off the top of my head what it's called again. Not sensory processing, like Um, sensory to the touch or? Something to that effect. Something that to that effect. I had the uh, the word earlier, but. um, I think you described, I mean, I understand by just, you know, if he has to walk himself through mm -hmm. a different process that he takes to engage. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he is um, in a general education class setting, but he does does get some accommodations um, in school. He uh, has actually a social worker on campus that is on top of things, whether she hears that he's not turning in things or if she hears that he has a a big project or an essay. Um, She offers her help with testing. He needs to be pulled out and put in a more quiet setting, allowed a little more time. I think it's sensory processing disorder. I think that's what it is. So that's what we suspect is sensory processing disorder. During the pandemic, he was diagnosed with ADHD, but this was a exam conducted via Zoom in 10 minutes. So that's why we were never comfortable with that diagnosis. Um, If you meet my son, Daniel, like I said, he's just kind of like, it just seems like an older person. Just he's very relaxed, super mellow, doesn't let things get to him. And so the ADHD is just something that we've never been comfortable with. But with the sensory processing, we do see it a lot more. Does that make school more difficult for him or? Yeah, he says that he has um, he wishes he could focus more, um, but that's, you know, an issue for him. But um, he would always make fun of me because of how insistent I was in the school, you know, providing an assessment, giving him um, accommodations. He always made fun of me like, mom, leave him alone. Mom, I get so embarrassed. Teachers look at me funny and like, you know, but at after they came back with the report and I asked him how he felt about everything they saw in him he actually agreed and now he's happy. And he says that even though sadly, some of these kids feel some type of shame and being different, even though it's something that he kept to himself, but when he's pulled out of class, whether it's for an assessment or pulled out to have um, his accommodations, basically, he finds a lot of students that he knows and a lot of friends. And so he's feeling more comfortable because he knows a lot of people are just like him. That's great. Do you feel supported by the school? Like I do now. A person that I met at a Head Start for my youngest son, she was a teacher there. 
she was the one that opened my eyes to the fact that you need to have these kids assessed. If you have a, a gut feeling as a mom, even though you're, you haven't been educated in child development, that doesn't mean that you don't know what you're talking about. So you need to be insistent and have these kids assessed. And so I did that. And then the psychologist at my youngest son, Josue's school, also said, if you have to be loud, you have to be loud. But you, you know, you have to get these things done. And so with my oldest, uh, with, with my teenager, I did not feel the support from his school. I actually was denied an assessment at first. Wow. And so I did have to get a little loud. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I had to get a little loud and demand that he be assessed because you do not know my child. I know my child and I know something's wrong. So I need him assessed and I need him assessed now. And so that's where I saw the support because I, I really did have to put my foot down with my youngest. They were the ones coming after me. He needs to be assessed. We're observing behaviors that are not typical for a child his age. And so I went along with it and then come to find out he's on the spectrum. We did not see it. You did not see For the youngest, you didn't see? No, I did not see it. I always thought something was different about my teenager. Never with my youngest. I thought, oh, well, because, you know, we're a blended family. This is my husband's only child. Um, he has yes. no other children. And so I thought, well, he's just a daddy's boy and he's spoiled by his dad and his older brothers. And that's why he's like that. No, it was all things related to him being on the spectrum. And for the parents out there that are on the fence about speaking up, I hope they'll listen to you because yeah. I can't tell you how many parents, you know, feel uncomfortable or are nervous or don't, aren't sure if there's something. And so they don't want to go open the can of worms and everybody who's pushed has found some relief or some services or things. It's, it's always been positive. Yeah. Except for the challenges. But, you know, the results, once you get them, are usually positive. Yeah, um, they definitely, our kids deserve answers, yes. you know, so, and they might not know how to look for those answers. And so that comes from us, you know, now I'm 35 going on 36. I have my own suspicions. Well, I'm a little different. I wonder, you know, if I'm on the spectrum. And so that's something I'm working on as well. I don't want my kids to be 36 years old, wondering. You know, I feel different. Why am I different? I don't want that. So I want my kids to get answers. And I want the answers now, basically. The kids, how do all the kids get along with each um, other? They have a good relationship. We're all very introverted. You know, something that I think is part of it. Um, we're all very introverted. Um, so everyone has their space, but we do come together well. My kids are sometimes struggle with understanding you know, some certain behaviors are because, you know, their little brothers on the spectrum. And so I've encouraged them while you're over there gaming, because my kids are big gamers, while you're there gaming, have a podcast in the background and listen to podcasts about autism, ADHD, sensory processing, so that you know how to, you know, deal with your brother, whichever brother it is, because it's all boys in here. Um, and what when they're having a hard day or why they're not paying attention or why they're kind of messy you know, learn so that you know how to better address this. And are they open to that or are they just too embarrassed to accept that mm -hmm. as a reality? How are they doing with that? You know, at first I think, um, so we barely found out my youngest, um, Josue, was on the spectrum in November, a week before Thanksgiving. 
And so we're very new to this this different life almost. We're we're very new. And so I think we all went through a moment of grief, especially myself as a mom. Um, so yeah, there were tears, there was sadness, there was, you know, wondering what how does this change? Does this change anything? So at there was that process that we all went through, my husband as well. But recently my oldest, my 17-year-old, which I think is the only neurotypical one, he told me, hey, I was listening to something while I was on my computer about ADHD. And so this tells me why Danny's like this. Or so I understood a lot. It opened my eyes. And so I'm glad that they're open to, and especially the one that we believe is the only neurotypical one. I'm glad that he's open to learning. So he, he knows, you know, sometimes like my brothers annoy me, but I understand sometimes why, because they're different than me. Oh, that's so sweet. He sounds like a sweet boy. So first of all, I want to commend you on kind of moving through this so quickly. I mean, sometimes the diagnosis can, you know, turn into marital problems, turns into all kinds of problems and it takes years. And some people never get over that initial, you know, and get on with living life. So, I mean, I think there's a process. I don't know. I think it's different for everybody. And I commend you for moving through things and getting on it. You know, it sounds like you're doing an awesome job and your kids are lucky to have you. Thank you. How is it, how is it affecting your relationship with with my husband? Another. I don't think it has. It's, it's difficult. We've totally grieved completely different. I think I cried part of November and all of December and he really didn't. So he was just, you know, his heart was broken, you know, Mm. but he was also, mesmerized by the strengths our son has. Mm. He's like, this is kind of amazing how the things that he does are so different. So we went through our grief, of course, very different um, in our own way. But I think what it's helped us in understanding is no matter what happens, our son needs us and he needs us to be as united as possible. And so I have previously divorced. I know what it brings on to children. I see the pain that kids deal with when it comes to parents separating or even living in the same household, but really not together. I know that they know what that is. And I definitely don't want that to continue in their lives. I do want them to see that united marriage and as strong as it possibly can, can be. That's great. What does a bad day look like in your household? A bad day. (laughs) Well, we've seen that there's certain things that I think trigger certain behaviors in all kids. But um, in Josue's case, it it really does trigger a lot more. So if let's say we go to a birthday party and he sneaks a little soda or a little too much cake, then we're, we're going to see the constant bad attitude, the fighting, the outburst which is very rare, but if you give him those things, he does have that type of reaction. And so that's where the day could get difficult because he's not only fighting with all his siblings, but he's throwing fits on dad. He's, you know, getting to me. And so that would be a bad day. Um, So we just have to be really careful as to what we allow in the house and what we allow around him because, yeah, that can affect us all. The sugar. The sugar he's, I mean, I think it's for all kids, but especially with, yeah, with him, it's just, wow. It's, and I tell him, you know, this, 
gets you a little angry. I don't know if you you should have that. And he's like, okay, just a little bit. And so he'll have a little bit. But he's understanding that I get real aggravated with these types of things. So we're trying to teach him that. That's because very we're not going to be around. So <laughs> that's very mature for. I mean, that's so hard when you see people like make it normal, you know, with yeah. all the snacks and cake and for a young kid to not feel like they can, you know, dive yeah. in. It's very mature. Yeah. I'm impressed. I still struggle with it myself. So. so. <laughs> oh, I good, do too. Yes. Good for yeah. him. Are there, is there something that you wish you knew a while back that you know now? I wish I would have known my rights as a parent. I don't completely understand them right now as it is but I've understood them enough to get my foot in the door. And so I wish with my son, Daniel, because he didn't get diagnosed until he was 14 and we're still working on getting an appropriate diagnosis. because we're not completely convinced. I wish that I would have followed my gut instinct when he was younger, that there's something different. And although people said, no, he's just kind of lazy. Cause that's what I heard. That's what people said. He's just a little lazy. Oh. I wish I wouldn't have, of listen to that. And I would have pushed forward because we would have had a diagnosis years ago. That's good uh, information for our listeners. And then how about for, how do you take care of you? I mean, through the stresses, through the, the diagnosis, through the heartbreak and then building strength, how do you, what do you do to take care of you emotionally? Um, Yeah. My faith community. I'm in a very healthy faith community in the church that I'm in, which is um, in Covina. They're just a very supportive, non-toxic community. And I, and I think that's really important when you make sure you surround yourself with people that are going to influence you and encourage you towards what you're pushing towards and not pull you back. And so I think that was one of the biggest things is my faith and the people that I've surrounded myself with taking care of who I allow in my life because me and you can work together per se, but doesn't mean you're a part of my life. I just see you at work every day. So who I allow in my life and to be in my circle is what I've become very particular with because I got enough issues in my life to allow negative people into my life. And so um, I've been very aware. I've practiced a lot of self-awareness as to why do I feel like this um, and getting to know myself because I became a mom at a very young age. I was 18 when I had my first son. And so in that, you lose who you are and you don't know who you are. You don't even know your favorite color sometimes, you know? And so just practicing a lot of self-awareness, it's helped me into navigating this. That's great. It can feel isolating enough to have these differences or not feel like you can talk to everybody at the pep group or the birthday party, like they won't understand that I just wish for every parent to have a, a community that loves yeah. them and their family and supports. I don't know where I'd be without mine. So I'm glad. Yeah. You had That's awesome. Do any of your boys have services outside of school, like any kinds of therapies to help with any of this? Or have you pursued any of like that kind of support? Um. So right now, my youngest, the one that is on the spectrum, Josue, He is receiving speech therapy outside of the school, but also in the school. Um, Right now, I'm working with a social worker at the regional center, Harbor Regional Center, um, so that we can, they can do their own assessment. They do a completely different assessment than the school did. 
So they're doing their own assessment so that they can go ahead and diagnose him and provide services for him as well. And while I was at it, I applied for myself and the rest of the kids just to make sure. And so wow. we're we're pursuing that as well. But right now at the moment, Josue is just getting speech therapy outside of the school. He's in a special day class inside. He gets pulled out for speech therapy as well. And then, like I mentioned earlier, my son in high school has got some special accommodations as well. And my regional center here, I don't know how I do it without them. My kids get so many services that I hope everybody, I don't know if everybody has a regional center or if they're different names in different places, but I hope that the listeners find that local organization in your community that supports and see what they can provide. Because I have people in my home every day supporting my kids after school. And I think a lot of people don't know those services exist. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard on one of your past episodes, someone mentioning here in California, the in-home supportive services as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of resources. Like, I think I will always take what my son's psychologist, school psychologist said. You just got to be loud everywhere you go because no one is going to come and give our kids things That's we right. have to and knock on every door and be like, I need this for my son. And I know yes. you guys have it. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. That's great. I'm glad you're finding your way through all that. What's something that you're excited about that your kids are developed into or what are, what are you excited about as in their like growth plan as a into a sport or is your son's speech getting better with the therapy or, or what's something you're excited about? Well, one of my kids was in baseball. We couldn't get in this year, but um, this season, but we're hoping to continue in that. That's always really fun to just see your kid out there. We've tried with my son that's on the spectrum. We tried karate. We, we really tried to, to get him on that mat and he couldn't step foot on that mat. And so mm-hmm. we just wanted to be patient with him and see what else, maybe swimming Um, or if he likes dance. So we definitely want to see that as well. I'm really happy because when I received the report from his assessment and I saw how my son's test score, like scores as uh, in comparison to other children, his age were so low, I was nervous for my son. But ever since we pushed him out of that, um, to the special day class where there's only about nine students, and he's getting more individualized attention, I see him just flourishing, like just flourishing the numbers, the letters, everything, reading already. And it's he's only been there since like December. And so to see that and how he's just really excelling in that model is something I'm really excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. So we do a lightning round where you give kind of a one word to one sentence answer to some questions so we can just get to learn more about you and your family. Are you up for it? Sure. What is the best advice you have received? I think from these two women, if uh, you got a gut feeling, you follow that that instinct. And if you got to go in there and be loud, be loud. That's great. Share a personal habit that contributes to your success. Uh, My faith, my faith, staying connected to my faith, to my faith in God. That's where I get my strength from every day. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? I think, uh, well, for me, social media and following following moms like myself or a father like you on podcasts have been really helpful. And it helps you really beat that loneliness that you can feel at times. Yeah. 
What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Uh, making it really a habit to getting myself moving more. I get caught up in this house with these all these kids, all these boys. And so I just really have to take that time out for myself. Awesome. And what's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? I think uh, just keeping as th- things as simple as possible, not getting too caught up. We're in Los Angeles, so you can get too caught up here in, in the the go, go, go. And so if I just keep my life simple, I think I like it, will, that. it will go well, yeah. I like that. And I apologize for leaving that space, but sometimes the sometimes after those moments when your mind goes clear, the, the answer comes. So I just gave no a room problem. for that. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything from what we've spoken about or just what's on your heart that you would share with the other parents in Naked Parent Nation that are out there listening? Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with your kid. They're just different. I love it. I've, like I said, I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope you stay a friend of the shows and I'd love to stay I connected as we both go on our journey and we call life and, uh, and I wish you and your family all the best. Thank you very much. Have a great day and to you and your boys and your significant other, wish you all the best. Thank you, you as well. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.